Allen on politics. Hello again. This is Alan on politics. We are back with Mark Frommeyer talking about the origins of star voting. In our last episode, we covered quite a lot of the ground. First, I should say the opening theme that you heard was once again, uh, Cantit doing Let's Work Together. And Mark and I have been working together since around this point in the narrative. Uh, he talked about how he became aware of the split vote, split vote problem in a personal way when his father ran for the governorship of Oregon, how he thought about how that could be fixed, and he considered ranked choice voting for a long time, and then came across the idea of combining a top two open primary system with approval voting in the initial round, and then tried to have an initiative for that in 2014 which didn't get enough signatures to get on the ballot. Now, this brings us to 2014, and that was when the conference took place at which the star voting concept came out of? Yeah, so, so we, you know, I was, uh, even though uh, the, the folks who had elected to do the open primary, we sort of uh, split paths. Um, ultimately, I ended up Deciding to that that I would I would still be supportive of their effort to eliminate the partisan primary, since the partisan primary is it, it is it, it is so egregiously bad in terms of removing people's uh, voice in the political process, because if you the way that that our districts have become um, segregated by party, and that's that partly has to do with you know, kind of the great sort of people moving to hang out with like-minded folks, and then also just massive amounts of gerrymandering. At the, at what that results in is that more than half of the people have no voice in the selection of their representatives, either because they're not affiliated with a political party or because they're in the minority party in a district that is, you know, safe. And what a, what a safe district is, is a safe district is one in which the determinative choice of the winner of the election is made in the primary itself, because that party has so much of an advantage in that district. So if that if the primary is being if the primary is deciding, effectively deciding the results of the election, uh, then if you add up all of those people who are not in that dominant party in those dominated districts, or who are not in a political party. Uh, or not in one of the two major political parties. That's that's well over half of us. So that uh, you know, even even though the the and, and my hope ultimately was that that the you know should the open primary pass at the ballot box, that that would there was enough language baked into the the preamble of, of the bill that uh, um, I had I sort of helped uh, at least proofread that we could go back to the legislature and say, hey, if you want to do open primary right, you got to make sure that you can approve a vote in the first step. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, the, as part of that, just said, you know, why don't we have a conference uh, before the election and actually have a debate and, and invite election scholars from all over the place to come and, and talk about voting reform um, and not just the open primary, unified primary, but we had Rob Ritchie from Fair Vote came out, uh, Clay Shentrup and Aaron Hamlin from the Center for Election Science. We had Eric McGee from the California, California Public Policy Institute. I mean, th there were people from all over the place, the folks who uh, are the champions of open primaries, 
out in New York. Uh, uh, Jackie Salat and her team came uh, came out. It was really a fantastic mix of people that showed up. Uh, Secretary of State Kate Brown uh, was there, and then she uh, came on, uh, went on to be governor. Um, and there was a uh, so there were you know debates and stuff all throughout the day, uh, including a, a between proponents of uh, RCV and approval voting, the yes and no on Measure 90, uh, which was the the open primary, um, and at the uh, so, so this is this full day of just you know drinking from the fire hose of democracy reform. I don't know if you realize it, but I was there in the audience. Yes. Oh, right on. Because uh, I was a proponent. Blair Bobier was there. I mean, was, we, yeah. there, were, there were a lot. I, I was a proponent of ranked choice voting. So I went to this conference. It was in Eugene, where we both live. And I talked to Kate Brown. I was sitting with a friend and we were talking about ranked choice voting, instant runoff voting. And I remarked to him that, you know, I, I don't think they'll be able to get it passed here because it'll cost so much to upgrade the computer systems. And somebody from behind me said, you know, first I said, I don't think they'll be able to get it passed here. And someone from behind me said, why is that? And I turned around, it was Secretary of State Kate Brown. <laughs> and I said, well, it's going to be really expensive to upgrade the, uh, the computerized tabulation systems. So I think that's a big strike against getting something like this passed because people are so worried about budgets and finances. That's also the conference at which I had been corresponding with Rob Ritchie of Fairvote. And uh, I met him personally. And we talked for a bit about what's going on in Oregon. So and, you know, our so, past so, began to converge. Yep. And so, so at the end of the day, I, you know, Rob and I were walking down the hallway um, and we had, we had exchanged some, you know, had some heated conversations online about uh, the, the, the merits of various systems. Uh, Fairvote, Fairvote has a habit of coming out with, uh, uh, you know, research papers that that just dump on any system that's not rank, uh, not instant runoff ranked choice. They'd done that with approval voting. They did it again right at the beginning of the unified primary campaign um, in 2013. And so, you know, we, we, we'd had a, a, a bit of online back and forth. And that was when Rob actually suggested, he said, what if we work together uh, on a combined reform that would be where, where you could basically, you could do your unified primary approval voting, and you'd have a ranking in it. So that this would be, his example was overseas voters uh, who are in the military or whatever, and they don't wanna have to be able to, you know, they don't, don't wanna have to vote twice uh, because of just the complexity of getting ballots back and forth. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of nodded and smiled and said, oh, that'd be interesting. And of course, in the back of my head, I'm like, that's a crazy idea. That'll never work, you know, um, because you, now wait, you've got approvals and you've got rankings on the same ballot. That's gonna be really weird. Uh, but but that was the core inspiration behind star voting because it was later that i think later that night i met up with you know clay shentrup from the other camp so this is i mean i came into this where there were these kind of two distinct warring camps between the approval score voting methods and then uh, instant runoff ranked choice and, and so essentially it's a difference between scoring candidates and ranking candidates yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 level of support versus here's my preference one, preference two, preference three. And they've been at war. They've been at war for a long time. Um, and and so it, it was it was odd to be able to actually have a conversation with you know sort of two of the uh, of the big voices within each of those camps within the span of a couple of hours. Um, but it was in talking with Clay, and I, the, my memory's a little foggy. 
uh, of that exact interaction. But it was in that discussion that uh, that we realized that a, a star ballot, a you know, zero to five stars, conveys both a level of support and a measure of preference. That in what, what score voting does is it just adds up the scores. And it doesn't really pay attention to the fact that the voter is also expressing preference at the same time. And so rather than have a, the ballot that, that Rob was suggesting, which was you know, approvals plus rankings, that if we just had a score ballot and got that a, approval and ranking data, you just add up all the scores, and then the top two are the finalists. And then you go back and you look at each ballot and you say, which, which of these two top two candidates did the voter prefer or did they if they rated them both the same, then that's a vote of no preference. But that essentially you could get the ben all of the benefits of the unified primary and then some from a single vote at the ballot. And that was, that was like that inspiration moment for star voting. Um, of course, as happens in the voting science world, you know, Clay ended up writing it up. He put it out there and then you know, people just started dumping on it. Oh, that's not going to work here. Why, you know, but as we started to unpack all of the criticisms and all of the potential strategies against it, just it, 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 every, every sort of uh, potential obstacle that people put up, as we looked at them clearly, it, it, we realized actually that's, that's the strength of this system. And then when, uh, you know, uh, Jameson Quinn, who was at that time uh, getting his PhD at Harvard, put uh, star voting into a, a series of simulations that he was doing on voting methods and found out that it was right at the top of the pack in terms of accurately representing the will of the electorate uh, in, in those simulated models. Um, that, all of that sort of research started was, was happening in 2015, early 2016, um, but there still wasn't any, anything resembling an effort to, to make it happen. It wasn't until the 2016 election. Um, and I was on a, uh, I was actually on a plane back from Washington, D.C., like two days after the 2016 election. And I could already see social media just lighting up with, we have a huge problem in terms of the voting method and we need serious electoral reform. Um, uh, and it, it was at that moment that I, I just basically, it was, it was on that flight back that I, I rewrote all of the stuff on star voting from here's an in interesting research idea to here's something that we actually have to go uh, and, and make real. And it was actually only very shortly there after that that you and I started really conversing about the topic. And then we went up to Portland and got engaged in all of those discussions around uh, ranked choice voting Oregon. And ultimately that group voted to go for star voting. Well, let me insert myself into the narrative here. Uh, we actually met before the general election in November 2016. I had been uh, working together signatures for a ranked choice voting method in Benton County, which got on the ballot. And then I shifted to campaigning as the Green Party's candidate for Oregon Secretary of State in order to pro promote ranked choice voting. And in Eugene, multiple people were saying to me, when I would mention that I'm working on voting reform, trying to promote it, they'd say, you need to talk to Mark. You need to talk to Mark. And so I contacted you, found out we lived in the same city, and we got together over there, Taco War, and okay. explained the concept. And I, I was focused on ranked choice in my campaign. So it kind of went to the back of my head. I, and it was like, okay, this is a score method. 
there's a lot of problems with scoring methods. Um, but it wasn't until after that was over that we actually got together and talked further. Right. And I, I, I remember you, you sort of, uh, the, the one thing that, that finally, where you finally sold yourself on it uh, was that you, you said, I, I, this is after a long exchange of emails, and you said, this, this system is driving me crazy because I've been, I've been spending, I, I, I've spent two days trying to figure out how to game it. And none of the things that I'm, I think this is going to cause real problems <laughs> for voters who are, uh, who are trying to, you know, figure out how to, how to game it. And, and I was like, you know, that's actually the advantage of this system is yes. the honest vote is very easy. Five, five, four, three, one, zero, zero, zero. You know, the, the, the very difficult vote to figure out in star is how you're going to get any advantage if you are dishonest on the ballot. Yeah, that's true. We had a long conversation with a number of other people involved, including Sarah uh, Wolk, who's now the uh, executive director of the Equal Vote Coalition. A lot of people involved in it, and we we're all batting around all the pros and cons of uh, star voting. And I remember saying to you, okay, I'm gonna write up my objections to this. <laughs> and you said, okay, you look forward to that. And what, as I was thinking it through, the problem that bothered me was that, you know, if a voter really wants to strategically maximize their vote, you know, I couldn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> and to me, that was a problem. Right. And I said to you, okay, I can't figure out how a voter can get the most out of this system. And he says, well, that's the point more or less to paraphrase you. And then I, the light bulb went off and yeah, that's a good thing. If voters cannot find a, a strategy to gain an advantage, everybody has to vote their real preferences. And if their real preferences are expressed in the outcome, then it's a good system. Yeah. And I, I remember our first interaction with Sarah as well, you know, up, up in Portland, she, she was like, why are you guys doing this? You know, get on, the, get on board, we're doing ranked choice. Uh, Cause it solves the spoiler effect and it does all these things. And, like uh, Sarah, you might want to dig a little deeper there. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't do those things. And then Sarah ended up becoming a just a, a an incredibly strong advocate for Star, and and is is now the executive director of of the Equal Vote Coalition. So yeah. it took many of us a bit of thinking through because you start out with certain assumptions, and it's a new concept, so it takes time to settle. Well, it's it's also something I really just recommend for uh, reform advocates generally is like don't get uh, it. Uh, in in the in the uh, in the engineering world, uh, Sandy Monroe calls this the the ugly baby syndrome, where people are get very attached to a particular engineering idea, and and it can end up persisting for a very long time. But when we're when we're when we're talking about uh, 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 voting reform, the the goal is shared. We we want a we all want a better democracy. We all want a a real equal vote. The so so when we are you know, sort of picking apart various different potential solutions, we're not attacking the people. We're not attacking, uh, you know, the, 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 we're just trying to get to the right idea that's gonna, gonna really work and really solve the problem. You know, for me, I got into the, probably the biggest driver for me in terms of getting involved in, in electoral reform uh, has to do with climate change, which is that yeah, I've, I'm, I've been witness to a political infrastructure for my whole life that, is not appropriately addressing the most challenging problem that we face collectively today. And a lot of that, uh, you, can, you can either fight all the fires at the fringes or you can address the root problem. But the, we, we have a, 
we have a, a system that doesn't represent the will of the voters and political outcomes. And that all comes back to how we vote. So it's just really important that we get it right, that we actually solve the problem. Um, and in the reform world, that means not just what, what's the current hotness of the day, but what's actually going to get the job done. And so pick it up from there. We, uh, 2016, 20, going into 2017, there was a lot more people on board and started talking about, uh, it was your idea to start an initiative. Yeah, I think, well, we, we knew we had to run something somewhere um, or it's, you know, we, and, and we've, uh, actually, star voting now is getting adopted inside of organizations. It's the political infrastructure in the Democratic Party of Oregon has is you know they, they've moved from you know sort of violently opposing uh, efforts to reform the the uh, the voting process to now really actually being strong proponents of it and using it within internal party functions. Um, the uh, we, we had the initiative in Lane County. Um, which, uh, which I think was actually a, a very strong first showing of star voting at the ballot box. This was a grassroots campaign, uh, got, on the, got on the ballot for 2018, um, was, was narrowly not adopted. So it didn't actually, it, it, it didn't achieve a majority of, of votes in either direction. There were like 12% who just sort of left it blank. Uh, and we, we learned a lot on that campaign uh, about how to do it right. Um, we subsequently went for the, the Eugene ballot in 2020 and actually collected plenty of signatures to qualify for that ballot. Uh, if you're watching this from Eugene, you should have had star voting on your 2020 ballot. You didn't uh, because of errors made by, uh, by the uh, verification process at the county. Um, so we're pushing the city and the county uh, to, to do their part to make sure that the voters get a chance to weigh in on that. Um, and then there are active campaigns now in, uh, I, and, and you'd have to check with Sarah on sort of all of the locales. There's folks in Southern California, there's folks out in Massachusetts, there are uh, a, a very strong cohort up in Portland, uh, pushing here in Oregon. Um, and uh, it's, it's it, you know, as time goes on and, and sort of the, the problems with our voting system become apparent, um, that I think that the will for reform continues to grow. And I think one of the other, one of the other real advantages that STAR has uh, is, that, is that because it doesn't, uh, you know, instant runoff gets more inaccurate the more strong candidates you have in the race. So if you've got just two strong candidates, uh, instant runoff rank choice works flawlessly 100% of the time. As soon as you get more than two strong candidates, uh, the more strong candidates you have, the more random the results can become because of that elimination problem. And so what, what that means is that, that instant runoff really is not a solution as a single election method. Like you can't, you, 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 if you used it to be the one election rather than having a primary and a general election, if you wanted to just have one vote, um, which would ultimately, you know, that saves the taxpayers a lot of money. It means that we don't have to do this incredibly extended political election cycle. There are a lot of good reasons to, to only go to the ballot box once. Um, STAR is actually a solution for that. And so there, there, there are a lot of reasons why we think STAR is going to be a, a long-term, just a, a huge win, at least for electing uh, single winner offices. Seems like it would have almost certainly... I got some light coming in the window finally. 
I passed in Eugene because when we had the Lane County initiative, even though in Lane County as a whole, it narrowly failed, I think by maybe five percentage points in Eugene, we had a majority. Yeah, yeah, Eugene the reason for going for that. Basically, we won in every precinct where we had at least one yard sign. So, um, <laughs> so listen, more yard signs. <laughs> yes, more yard signs. Well, and we were we were under the gun on that campaign from sort of day one. But uh, I, I think uh, the next time we uh, the next time Star shows up on the ballot, they'll be uh, it, it, it'll it, it has been tested much more since then. Um, and it's, uh, you know, sort of we, we've had that many more a couple, few more years to really investigate uh, some of the, the potential problems with the system and, and the FUD that's out there. And I think have very good answers to all of it. And FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. The, the, that which is, uh, you know, has, has been a preventer of many good things. But in, in this case, I, you know, it's, it's always good to have healthy skepticism about new concepts. Um, but I, I, at this point, STAR has, has had so much vetting, um, it, is, it is definitely ready for prime time. It seems like the main obstacle right now to star voting is that when people begin to talk about uh, changing election methods or set up an initiative to do so, then the various camps promoting all these different reforms, you've got the open primary, you've got the uh, ranked choice voting system, you've got approval voting, you've got uh, star voting, it confuses people. People have a, um, a sense that there's a lot of possibilities. They don't know which one is best. It seems like uh, getting into the details is over their head. Um, so what would your, be your very simple pitch to the most um, well, I, I think uninformed you know, voter or the, the, the late person? Like what Portland did is that they, you know, so the Portland Charter Commission review process, I think is presently underway. And they, uh, they impaneled a group to do the deep dive. They, they had a subcommittee formed to go look at all of the different voting method options, really do the research, uh, really dig in, and then come back to the, the, the main group with a recommendation. And that's something I think I, I would love to see the Oregon legislature do this, where they really, you know, really sink the teeth in and try and understand the nuances between the various different approaches. But in the case of the Portland Charter Commission, my understanding is that they did the very deep dive and then ended up recommending star voting be adopted. So uh, then the obvious um, way forward would be to get people who are interested in the topic to work together better. Yeah. And, well, and, and that when we did that in Oregon in 2016 and 2017, you know, that we, we sort of went through that same process uh, up in largely up in Portland, where we met month over month and had a ton of online discussion and 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 really, uh, uh, you know, tried to delve into all of the potential pitfalls and, and, and the pros and cons. And again, you know, when that when a process like that runs and you have. Uh, it, so far, Star has done very well when it's when it's given uh, an actual opportunity to be closely examined. And my sense of it is that people that um, haven't been convinced are often. You know, this is hard to characterize other people's motives, but I think people, as you say, get married to a particular idea, and it becomes more of a personal thing. Like you know, they distrust people who are promoting something other than what they've been working on or attached to. 
I saw this in some people, at least it's my perception, some people in the Green Party here in Oregon uh, refused to even consider star voting, refused to even discuss it or think about it because they just saw it as coming from people that had, you know, Republican family <laughs> background. Yeah. I had a liberal and, Republican dad, clearly not a, a valid source of information. And, and money in the bank. And so that's uh, a flag to them. You know, it's, who's who's this? You're not a billionaire, I take it. You're well, and I mean, yeah, I, I think it's what I found in, in political reform is that whether you, whether I'm talking to, uh, you know, because uh, when I when I did the the unified primary, I mean, I had to go. I went out and tried to fundraise for it, and and ended up talking to a lot of people who had money and had were you know founders of companies and so on and so forth, and they had all the same concerns about our political process that the guys I talked to in the Green Party had. Uh, you know, maybe not the same in terms of policy, but when it comes to the democratic process, uh, they that the 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 goal for equality in the political process is something that is widely shared um and we have you know so so uh, i think there is um there is a tendency to get attached to ideas and then when somebody uh starts poking holes in those ideas we can see them as as personal attacks but in the, the, in this case we're really when we're talking about problems with instant runoff voting Nobody should be attached to instant runoff voting. That system was invented in the 1870s or something. Um, it is, uh, uh, they're, 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 you know, it's it's uh, it's been around since the telegraph, and so it's it's well documented uh, both in terms of where it's been used and where it's been repealed and the you know where it works and certainly areas where it doesn't. So, um, but if you've poured 20 years of your life into trying to make something happen. And then it, it, somebody comes in with some new ideas and it can it can start to look like an attack. This is a moment of opportunity because the failures of our voting method for our system as a whole are becoming more and more apparent to more and more people. And the 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 um, the fact that there are alternatives is becoming more and more well known, I think, especially with some of the successes of ranked choice voting getting used like passed for federal and uh, state elections in uh, Maine. Uh, so people are aware that there's options. They just don't know that much about what they are. And there is a lot of interest in fixing the problem. So that's reason for hope. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, I, I think I'm, I'm certainly very hopeful. The, 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 the pace at which the sort of popular awareness of voting method reform has come to the fore and certainly the, the really rapid growth of the Equal Vote Coalition and the efforts to get star voting implemented, um, plus uh, you know, unified primary getting adopted in St. Louis. Now it's up for consideration up in Washington. Uh, there's a whole campaign up there working to do the same thing up there. Um, those, it, it, to, to me, those are, are all very good signs. Of course, we, we also have some very challenging signs in terms of just the the continued polarization of the country, um, and uh, you know, it, it, we we are uh, we have a system that divides us, and we we if if we fail to reform that, uh, it will be at our extreme peril. Extreme. Um, people want to know more about star voting or how to get involved. Where do they go? What do they do? Uh, the the Equal Vote Coalition is just at equal.vote. And then the star voting kind of main site is starvoting.us. 
So we're, we're out there on the web and uh, we've got chapters pop, popping up all over the place. Equal.vote and star.us. Starvoting.us. Star Starvoting.us. Excuse me. That's why I asked you because my memory is not too good anymore. <laughs> All good. Well, thank you very much. We actually uh, went through a whole hour on this back history of this to bring people up to date on it. And thank you very much for giving us that uh, insights. Well, Alan, I, I really appreciate you bringing me on the show. Okay. So that's it for today. And once again, we're going to hear from Cantito and let's work together. Thank you, Mark. Let's work together. Touch. All right. Thanks, Alan. Take it easy.